live in an age of uncertainty. We live in an age where everybody has their own definition about everything. And there's no truth. There's no real clear statements because somebody says, this is my truth. And then someone else comes in and says, well, this is my truth. Well, there is only one truth, that which accords to reality. And if I were to meet someone that says that there are lots of different interpretations, I'd say, well, yes, maybe there are, but there is one truth. And if they were to say to me, no, there are lots of different truths about many things, I'd say, no, no, there are certain things we can be absolutely certain about. Uh, how do you come into this building? If that door was locked, then we'd know that the only way we can come into this building safely is through that one door. And it doesn't matter what you think, what your opinions are, where you come from, that is a truth. We have today so many definitions. If you were to pick up a dictionary and look up to see what the name of a Christian was and a definition of a Christian, you would find a few definitions of a Christian. What is a Christian? And today probably is a most important time to know what a Christian is. So this morning's message is quite simple and straightforward. It's a definition of what is a Christian. And the definition is taken from the Lord Jesus Christ himself and it's found in verse 27 of John chapter 10. What is a Christian, Jesus? The answer, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The definition of a Christian. Uh, I suppose we can put it into three different groupings. The first part of a definition of a Christian is that there is ownership. The second part of a definition of a Christian is that there is love. And the third thing that we have in the definition of a Christian, we have devotion. Ownership, love and devotion. It spells the word old. The old things we are to hold to. The truths. So, ownership. This is a, a, a very odd beginning for someone to define a Christian. It's ownership. Uh, we live in a world where everyone wants to be their own boss, their own person. They make themselves. They decide what kind of person they are. They decide what kind of jobs they have. They have all these liberties and it's our right to decide about ourselves. And yet when it comes to a Christian, we find that the first thing you need to know about a Christian is that they are not their own. They are owned. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep. The Lord Jesus Christ is the owner. He is the owner of every single believer. Every believer that has ever believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, that has ever trusted in the salvation that comes from God, that person is owned by Jesus Christ. He is the owner. Now, he is our owner, if you were a Christian, in four ways. The first way he is your owner is by creation, because he has made us. He has made everything that is made. There was not anything made that was not made by him. He is the creator of all things. In him we live, move, and have our being. So he owns us. He owns every human being. In fact, he owns absolutely every atom of this universe. He 
is creator. He has made us, not we ourselves. We are the sheep of his pasture. We have been made by him. And so uh, Christians are owned, firstly, by creation, as is everybody else in the universe. Secondly, uh, we are not only owned because of creation, we're owned because we are a gift. You know, I, I find this strange with people. You give a gift of, say, £300 to a person, and then you tell them, I'd like you to spend it on this. I think, well, is that a gift? Because when you give a gift to somebody, what they do with that gift is completely and entirely up to them. Otherwise, it's not really a gift. The Lord Jesus Christ has been given every single believer. Uh, look at uh, John 17, uh, verses 6 and 9. He's praying to his father. This is what he says. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Verse 9. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. You see, we are given. There are other verses as well, but for time's sake, I, I won't go through them. But we are owned by Jesus Christ. One, because he has made us. And two, because the Father, before the foundation of the world, has looked at his Son and said, I am going to give you a, a company that no man can number. And they will be yours. We are gifts to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are gifts. So we are owned twice, one by made, two by gift, and thirdly by purchase, because we are not our own. We have been bought by a price, not with silver or gold or corruptible things, but by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Father gave the Son a company, when the Father looked down at his Son and loved his Son and cared for his Son before the worlds were, and he said, I'm going to give you a people. I'm going to give you a people. I'm to give you Jean-Marc. He's not great. He's not wonderful. There's nothing in him. He's a sinner. I'm going to give him to you as a gift. And Jesus said, I will. I will take this gift because it's a gift and I will love him and I will care for him and I will die for him. I will shed my blood for him. I will be made a man. I will come into the world. Here I am and the children you have given me, he says. As it is written in the book, the Lord Jesus Christ has also purchased his church with his precious blood. We are not our own. We are owned by Christ. But there's a fourth way that we are owned by Christ. There's creation, there's gift, there's purchase, there's recreation. We have been born again. We have been born again by the Spirit. We are Christ's children. He is our Father because we have been born in him. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Have you wondered why in Isaiah the Lord Jesus Christ is called Everlasting Father? Because we have been born through him. We are his children. We have been born through him. And so, 
A Christian, first of all, is a person who is owned. We are owned in a, a fourfold tie. The Lord Jesus Christ has us and loves us and bought us and keeps us and owns us. We are not our own. But then you can see something else. My sheep, the name that he has given us, my sheep. You know, it's, it's, it's not a, an attractive name, is it, really, being called a sheep. It, it's not great. I suppose it could be worse. You could be called a goat. But a sheep, a sheep, my sheep. Christians are his sheep. What, what does that mean? Well, first of all, it means that we are united. All of us are linked to him. He is the good shepherd, the good shepherd who lay his life down for the sheep. And we are all his sheep. We and the shepherd are linked. There is a union between us and the shepherd. That's the first thing. Secondly, it tells us that it's, it's about service. What are sheep for? Not today, but then. What were sheep for then? Well, sheep were, were for wool, but they were for sacrifice. They were for the service of God. The sheep were owned by the shepherd and were seen as great wealth for the shepherd and for the person that owned the sheep. Why? Because they brought them to God. Because you needed sheep for the sacrifice. If you're a sheep, you're going to be sacrificed. You're not living for yourself. You're living for your shepherd. We are his sheep. And then we're, we're told that it's a a uniform name. All my sheep. My sheep. He doesn't say, some are sheep, some are lions, some are tigers. Everyone is a sheep. Everyone is equal. Here we have a, a flock where every single one is equal. They're all born of the Spirit. They're all children of God. They're all saved in the same way. They're all loved in the same way. Now, I've, I've got a, a book in, in my house and it's called Great Christians You Should Know. And I was thinking, well, maybe that's not the greatest title. Because that suggests that there are some Christians that are greater than others. There are some great sheep and some small sheep. Well, maybe it should be Christians who are more obedient than other Christians. More devoted Christians. Rather than great Christians you should know. Every single believer is equal in the eyes of God. We have the same access to God through the same Holy Spirit. He has united us in the same way. He looks down on us with the same love he does with every believer. He looks down on you as his child and we're as much his child as David or Paul or greatly beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ. When he looks at us, he sees us through Christ. There's a, a unity that we have. My sheep. And then it says that it is unbeatable. This title is unbeatable. It's, it's much better to be called a, a sheep owned by the Lord Jesus Christ than anybody else or anything else in this world. A sheep of God. A lamb of God. Loved by the lamb of God who takes away the sins of of the world. It's an unbeatable title. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And so often 
Christians forget that. And we get obsessed with what we can do and what we've done and what we have or could do in the future. And we forget. And there they went out. They went out two by two and, and they came back to Jesus. Buzzing. We saw, we saw this, we saw that. We did all these wonderful things. And Jesus said, hang on. Do not rejoice in this. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Being a sheep of God is the most wonderful thing anyone can ever be in this universe. So, we have this ownership. We are owned. How do we live? Do we live like sheep? Do we live like sheep following the shepherd? Because, you see, there's a second thing. Because as soon as, as we're told these things, we start feeling a little bit, oh, but then we've got the second part, which is in the middle. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Now, the word know. The word know in Welsh is gobod and nabod. One of them means to know personally. The other one means to know about. Oh, yes, I, I, I know there's a book on the, the table. Oh, oh I, I know Richard Jones. I know him. There, there's no. And here Jesus Christ uses the personal. You know, in, in, in the Old Testament, it, it says in Genesis 4, Now Adam knew Eve, and she bore a son. Now that isn't a, I know that Eve exists and stuff. That is a personal, intimate knowledge. And here Jesus says, I have a personal, intimate knowledge of all my flock. I know them. Not I know one or two, but I know them all. I know them all by name. I know when they sit down. I know when they stand up. I know every hair that's in their head. I know everything about them. Before a word is on their lips, I know it thoroughly. I know what they're going to do. Peter, I will never, I will never. They may betray you. I will never. Peter, Peter, I know. I know you. And yet, I know you. He loves. We have this here. A Christian is someone owned, but they're owned by someone that loves them to the uttermost, to the, the deepest part. Oh, love that will not let me go. I rest my weary soul on thee. This is a, this is a marvelous love. This is a, a wonderful love. This is an all-consuming love. I know them. The Lord Jesus Christ has a relationship with his people. The Lord Jesus Christ has known his people from before the foundation of the world. He has known us and he has loved us and he has come into the world to save his people. I know my own and I am known by them. We are saved. Why? Because he loved us. He has loved us from the beginning to the end. There's a security here, isn't there? There's a security in this love. Oh, love that will not let me go. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a song. There's a song sung by Frank Sinatra, written by a chap called Sammy Khan, and it's called All the Way. It talks about what love should be. Love should be taller than the tallest tree. That's how it's got to be. Deeper than the deep blue sea. That's how deep it goes if it's real. I'm changing it. When Jesus loves somebody, it's no good unless he loves them all 
the way through the good and bad times and through all the in-between times, come what may. The Lord Jesus Christ's love. Paul says that he wants us to know the breadth, the length, the depth, the height of this love of Jesus Christ that is greater than anybody else can understand. My sheep, I know them. I know my sheep. There's a love. And it's, it's so encouraging, isn't it? The solid foundation of God stands firm. How? Having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Sometimes we doubt ourselves because we're foolish and we make mistakes. Sometimes we stray. Lord, it is my chief complaint that my love is weak and faint. And we fall and we make mistakes. But lo, though you may fall seven times, yet you shall arise. Why? Because the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those that trust in him. He knows us. He knows us better than ourselves. Peter, Peter, though you will do that, when you have been restored, strengthen your brethren. When you have been restored, he knows he will not let us go. He's got this amazing love. So we've got ownership and we've got love. We're owned by Christ and we're loved by Christ. And then there's, there's something else that we have here as well. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. There's devotion to Christ. You know, there, there are people who will say, well, I'm elect before the foundation of the world so I can do what I like. Christ loves me so I can do what I like. <laughs> have you read this? Do you know this? A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I say? Hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The proof of the pudding is in the eating, isn't it? The proof of the sheep is in the ear and in the foot. It's in our mind and in our bodies. What are we doing with our minds? Where are our minds? What is it that we think about? What is it that we meditate on? My sheep hear my voice. You see, it's, it's in the ear. We have an ability. Christians have an ability to understand the word of God. There's a man who we know who he is now. He was born 264 years ago today. His name was William Pitt the Younger. And he had a friend called William Wilberforce. Now William Wilberforce had been born again. And he wanted Pitt, his best pal, to become a Christian as well. So he constantly prayed for him and he, he looked for opportunities to get Pitt to hear the gospel. Pitt would be very good and have lots of work, especially on a Sunday, because that's when he'd catch up on all his work. And one time he managed to persuade him. He managed to persuade him to go with him to uh, Bedford Row in Bloomsbury in London, because this was the biggest Christian church in, in London. And there's a chap there called Richard Cecil, who was probably the best Anglican preacher at that time. And Pitt went with Wilberforce in the morning to hear Cecil preach. And Wilberforce was, so he prayed and he, he thought, well, let that sermon be good for him. Let that sermon be good for him. And Cecil preached an amazing sermon. He preached about the wonders of God and how God had saved people through his son and whoever turns to him would be saved. 
and how Christians have a hope that is eternal in heaven, restored because Christ has risen from the dead and there is a living hope. And Wilberforce was getting more and more excited as he sat in the pew thinking, this is wonderful, this is amazing. I wonder what Billy thinks. I wonder what he thinks. And then they come out to the chapel and he turns to him. And before he says a word, Pitt, a genius, Prime Minister at 24, Prime Minister for 18, 18 odd years, very clever, dominant figure in politics, turned to William Wilberforce and said, really, Wilbur, I had not the slightest clue what that man was talking about. What was he on about? You see, my sheep hear my voice. Every Christian has been given a new ear with a new heart so we can read the scriptures and understand it. No longer are the scriptures dark and, and mysterious to us. Now we, we can read them and, and understand them. We hear the shepherd's voice inside the scriptures. We have an ability. But not only that, my sheep hear my voice. There's a willingness. They will hear. What is it that Jesus says? What, what is it that Jesus says in, in this? What is it? I've got to know what Jesus says. Okay, you've said that. Your argument sounds good. But what is it that the Bible says? We have a willingness, an eagerness to know what is it the scripture has to say on these topics. You know, there's, there, there are people that say they're Christians, but their ear, their ear doesn't seem to be in tune with their shepherd. Many who came before me were not, they were thieves and robbers, but my people, my sheep didn't hear them. They seem to be hearing them. They seem to be storing up all the things that these people say. The scriptures say this. Jesus says this clearly, plainly, with love. For I am meek and lowly in heart. Take my yoke. They won't take his yoke. So can they be Christians? Can you be a Christian if you're not bearing fruit? If you are in the vine. He says you are the vine. And I am, or I am the vine and you are the branches. So, so Christ is the vine and the branches come off. We're, we're united to Christ. And as the blood and the sap go through him, through to us, we bear fruit. That's what he says. And let your fruit grow. What you gather from, from a vine, grapes. But these are, what are they producing? Apples, oranges. They're not of the vine. They may be producing something, but they're not of the vine. They hear. We hear. Christian, if, you, if you're a Christian, you have an ability to hear the Lord Jesus Christ. You hear his voice, and there's a willingness. There's a willingness to hear his voice as well. What does he say? You know, in, in the, the Old Testament, you're those kings. And there he was. Should I go to war with this king or not? Do you have a prophet of the Lord? He wants to hear the voice of the shepherd. Do we? Are we like that? Are we, we like that? Because you see, if we don't hear his voice, we don't know where to go. That's how we follow him. It's not separate. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. How do we know where to go? How do we know how to live? How do we know what to do? The shepherd. The shepherd tells us. The shepherd tells us. Now, there's, there's a funny thing that goes around today. There's the, the, the initials. Let me get them right now. I've written them down. 
It's WWJD. What would Jesus do? That's what they say. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do in this situation? And then you're told, well, what, would, what do you do? Well, do what Jesus would do. I have problems with that. What would Jesus do? He'd sleep in the boat when the storm was all around him. Content knowing that he'd get to the other side whilst everyone panics. He'd be happy sleeping because he knows he's getting to the other side because he trusts in the Lord. What would Jesus do? Well, when he was woken, he got up and he said to the winds and the waves, Sish down. And immediately he was quiet. What would Jesus do? Jesus would go and he'd say, well, he's dead now three days. I'm going now to wake him up. He'd go and he'd raise the dead. What would Jesus do? Well, he'd walk on water to get to the other side. What would Jesus do? He would cure and heal all types of diseases. What would Jesus do? He would give the most amazing answers. The most amazing answers to those that tried to criticize and argue against him and against the law of God. I, I can't do what Jesus does. And here it says, my sheep hear my voice. So it isn't WWJD. It's WWJS. What would Jesus say? That's what we should be aware of. What would Jesus say? What does he say? So we can follow him aright. We are sheep. And God has changed our hearts and, and made us his flock. We are the flock of his pasture. And our ears and our feet are to go in that direction. We're, we're to live, as he said. We're, we're to be meek. We're to be humble. We're to love one another as I have lived, loved you. A new commandment I have given to you. That we're, we're to do these things. We're to care for others. We're to forgive one another. We're to be poor in spirit. We're to mourn for our sins. We're to be hungering and thirsting after righteousness. We're, we're, to, pray. we're to pray and do our good works in secret. Not so that men will rejoice. But that God who sees us in secret, will reward us openly. We're to do these things because he is ours. And then as, as we look and we think about these things, hearing and doing, our hearts collapse and say, well, what kind of Christian am I? But notice what Jesus has done here in the verse. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. In between the hearing and the doing is a failure what we hear and what we know is not what we do. The good that I would, I do not do. The, the, the evil that I do not want to do, that is the very thing that I do. Who will save me from this body of death? The Lord Jesus Christ. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. You see, he, he knows us. He knows the intentions of our heart. He knows why we do things, though we fail, though we make a mistake. He knows the intentions of our heart and he loves us. And when we do it and we make a mess of it, or we fail, he says like, like to David, now David, I know it was in your heart to build me a temple and I, it was good, but, but he knew. You know, when you've, you've got a child and you're teaching them in school and it's, it's junior school, Right, I'm trying to think now, so I don't offend any of the little ones here. Say, say you're five, and, and you draw something. It, it's wonderful when the teacher writes underneath what it is, because usually you haven't a clue. So they've, they've drawn something, it's a house. 
and they bring it home and they say, Mummy, Daddy, I've, I've drawn a house for you. And you give it and you say, Oh, I'm glad you told me it was a house. Gosh, isn't that lovely? What are you doing? Your love is interceding between what they wanted to do and what they achieved. And because you know what they meant, you look at what they've done, you say, that's lovely. The Lord Jesus Christ loves us. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He understands our frame. He knows that we're dust. He knows that we make mistakes. And yet, yet, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from our sins and from all unrighteousness. He is a most wonderful saviour. What is a Christian? A Christian is somebody who is owned by Christ. A Christian is somebody who is loved by Christ. A Christian is someone who is devoted to Christ. What is a Christian? Are you a Christian? So easy to become a Christian because God has, has done everything that needs to be done for anyone to be saved. He, he sent his son into the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, the shepherd of the sheep. He sends now his Holy Spirit into the world so when people preach or you read the word of God, you understand these things because God changes your heart and then you, you turn to him. Why? Because God is a God of salvation and he makes Christians. Are you a Christian? Are you owned by Christ? Is he the one that you serve? Is he your master, your prophet, your priest, your king? Is he your good shepherd? If he isn't, then, then say sorry. He's made you. He's given you everything you've got. And you're ignoring him. You're running away from him. Friend, don't turn away from the good shepherd. He loves his sheep. He came into the world to lay down his life. A ransom for many. Are you his sheep? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn from your sins and you will know these things that you were owned, that you are loved and you can be devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ.